0: You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition.
1: We look at tests as research and design improvement and we make adjustments through each test as we are being perfected by God. And those are the two primary ways that people look at tests and trials that we go through. Either they're there to expose our weaknesses so that we can grow, or they are there to give us a pass or fail grade. And so they're there for our education. But the biblical view of a test isn't to grade our faith.
0: How would you say you do with tests? While some people thrive on tests, others tend to buckle under pressure for fear of complete failure. However, no matter how we do with testing, the information we receive from the results can be absolutely priceless. In today's message, Pastor Holland reflects on the testing of our faith and just how crucial it can be in our walk. In his study, you'll learn how tests of faith often reveal our strengths and weaknesses and how we can grow where we're lacking. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Exodus chapter 14 as he begins his message, The Test
1: of Faith. Well, today we're going to look at a topic that's timely out of the book of Exodus. It's a topic uh, that I've entitled, The Test of Faith. Uh, As we're going through the book of Exodus, you know, we're seeing the children of Israel move out of Egyptian bondage, and now they're moving into a place of where they're stepping out in what they believe, what God has told them to do, and it's now testing their faith. And one of the things that I thought about as I was preparing this message is that as people have gone through this season with the coronavirus, and I believe we're coming to the end of this season, that you know we've seen people at all different levels of faith. Some of them, we've seen them at the height of fear, and uh, some of them that we've seen them in the height of faith, and we've seen people at all different levels aspects of the spectrum we've seen people that have been like challenging like hey I'm not going to listen to the government then we have people that have been so obedient like I'm not going to leave the house unless I'm in a full you know hazmat suit and I just want to encourage us that the response that we should always have towards one another is that of love we shouldn't judge people because maybe they approached it with a little bit more fear than others We shouldn't judge people and think that they had more faith because that they were more wild and daring than others. But really, it's an opportunity for us to step into what God wants us to become. And that is that he wants us to become people of faith, but he also wants us to be people of love, people who love one another, who are patient with one another, who who express and show our love to each other by being tolerant of one another and being patient with each other. And so I just want to put that in. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about today. But I want to begin with a a question. And that question is, how many of you were good at taking tests in school? When I was in school, I was a good test taker, especially multiple choice tests. I could kind of figure out. From the answers, what the correct answer was, I could actually see that you know maybe there was an answer that wasn't that didn't make sense, and I would eliminate uh, the wrong answers and and have a good guesstimation of what the right answer was, and so I could get a good grade passing uh, a test. Uh, For most people, a test is associated with getting a grade. And if you get a good enough grade, you pass the test. And if you don't get a good enough grade, you fail the test. And if you have a a kind teacher, like a lot of my teachers were kind, they'll let you take the test over again so that you can raise your grade. And so when the Bible talks about tests, oftentimes our theology uh, is shaped by our experience You know, by how we experience life. It's not the way it should be. Our theology should be shaped by the word of God. And our experience should be shaped by what the word says. We should enter into the experience of God's word as opposed to interpreting God's word through our own experience. But oftentimes our theology is shaped by this idea that God is testing us and that he's giving us a grade. And either you pass the test. Or you fail the test. And if you fail the test, you know, God is good. He's a good teacher. So he'll test you again and again. He'll put you through that trial again and again. That time of testing again and again until you pass the test. Maybe you've heard teaching like that. That God is teaching you, and he tests you to see what you've learned, and if you don't learn the lesson, then he'll send you around the mountain again. You're going to go through it again, and you're going to go through it again until you learn the lesson. Maybe you've heard that. Another way we view tests is that tests show us what we know. And so we take a test in school to measure our understanding of a subject. Uh, If you have a good understanding of a subject, it will show on the test. And if you don't, the test will show where you need to grow in your understanding. And this is the basic concept behind research and development or testing. Like we'll take a product, like a car, and we'll put it through a series of tests. And those tests are designed to expose weaknesses, to show us where we need to uh, redesign the car. It'll point out design flaws, where it doesn't flow as it should flow, where there are there's places of resistance that we need to remove. And so we take the information, we make the fixes, and then we put it through more tests until we have the perfect design. We're trying to perfect what we're creating. And then we go to manufacturing. And again, people bring their experience into their theology and into the relationship with God. And so we see tests as proving what we know. The tests are designed to expose these areas of of our lives where we don't know what's there, but through the tests, we're going to learn what is really there. And maybe you've heard that teaching, that the tests prove what we know, you know, and I've heard the illustration of, you know, you have a cup that's full of something, but you don't know what's in the cup until you bump the cup. And when you bump that cup, whatever's in that cup is going to spill out. And so if joy is in that cup, when you bump that cup, joy is going to come out. If bitterness is in that cup, when you bump that cup, bitterness is going to come out. Well, tests then, you know, we're told prove what we believe and what we know. And they expose where we need to grow in our understanding of God. And that's a research and development view of looking at tests. And so we look at tests as research and design improvement. And we make adjustments through each test as we are being perfected by God. And those are the two primary ways that people look at tests and trials that we go through. Either they're there to expose our weaknesses so that we can grow, or they are there to give us a pass or fail grade. And uh, and so it, they're there for our education. But the biblical view of a test isn't to grade our faith. It's not for the purpose of passing or failing or education, although there are tests that we pass and there are tests that we fail. That is true. It is isn't to put us into a controlled environment where uh, our weaknesses are exposed and our flaws are exposed to make us more open to the work of the Holy Spirit. When we see those areas of growth, then we're allowing God to change us in those areas of growth, although tests do expose where we need to grow. It is true. They do that. But rather, the primary purpose of a test is to give us the opportunity to activate faith. That's what a test does. A test gives us the opportunity to activate faith and to position us for supernatural provision. To receive the provision that only God Can provide. It sets us up, focuses us in a direction to be able to receive from God. And I've said this many times that faith is only a theory until it's put into practice. You can say you believe, but it doesn't become belief until you make a decision that has to do with relying on what you believe in order to succeed in that moment. And so, in the case of God, the activation of faith is always tied to obedience to God's word. And it doesn't matter if you call it the law, doesn't matter if you call it his statues, or his command, or his Torah, it's all his word. And so, As we act in ways that are aligning ourselves with God's ways, which come through obeying God's words, as we obey God's word, it activates faith in our lives. And what I find is that there are many who say they believe his word, but they don't do his word. And so the Bible says that we're to be doers, not just hearers, not just agreeers. We're not those that just agree with God's word. We're to do God's Word. And God's Word really demonstrates what we, when we do that, when we obey God's Word, it really demonstrates what we really believe. If I believe it, then I'm going to do it. If I don't believe it, then I'm not going to do it. And one of the other sayings that I learned from a a wise pastor many years ago is that I believe most of what people tell me, but I believe everything that they do. So when I watch what they do, when I watch how they act, if they if I see them in church, if I don't see them in church, if I see them in fellowship, I don't see them in fellowship. If I see them, you know, walking in faith or I don't see them, whatever it is, I'm gonna watch what they do because no matter what they tell me, they will always do what they believe, because that is where their faith is. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel. In San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse, and we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at CalvarySanCamini.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. And what a lot of times people want is they want the benefits of God's Word, but they want the benefits of God's Word on their terms. You know, we live in a litigious society, a contract-related society. And so everyone's trying to get their terms in their contracts, and we do that with God. We try to get God on our terms. They'll even change the definitions of words in the Bible, and, and the use of words in the Bible to fit their agendas. And when in fact, the Bible is very clear on its definitions. We see that in the definition of marriage that many people are trying to change today. Uh, And other definitions where, you know, they're saying, hey, it's not really that important to gather together as a community because the church is everywhere, right? And they don't understand the biblical meaning behind these words. And so they try to change it to fit their intention. But every word in the Bible is divinely inspired and it's used intentionally. And so when God uses one word and then he uses another word that has similar meanings, he used two different words for a reason. For instance, we see that in the use of the word "love. There's many words that are uh, translated "love" in the Bible, but there are different kinds of love. There's brotherly love, there's God's love, there's family love, the love between families. and so there's the love between friends. and so there's different kinds of love, and all of those words are intentional. And we've seen this through our study in Exodus, that nothing is put in by accidents, and even the words themselves are used with intention. And so we're going to get into this as we look at a number of tests through the story of Exodus. We're going to look at a number of tests, and I believe we're going to look at four tests, four tests in the story of Exodus, uh, four events where Israel had the opportunity to activate their faith. They were put in a situation where they had a choice. Either we believe in God and what he has said, or we don't. And what I want to look at is that in each event, we're going to begin to see a pattern. They were faced with an impossible crisis. They were given the opportunity to activate their faith. And then they were positioned through that, activation to receive supernatural provision. And how they respond to each test will position them for the next test and determine whether or not they can receive greater revelation from God. You know, one of the things that I find is true in my life is that if I want to receive more revelation from God, That means that when I'm faced with a test where I need to trust Him, where I need to believe Him, as I step into that, faith is activated in my life and it positions me to receive more from God. I have an expanded capacity. I've been stretched. I've been, I have a greater capacity to receive revelation from God. And the first test we're going to look at today is the test that occurred at the parting of the Red Sea in Exodus 14. And we know the story. We've been through it. Pharaoh and his army are in pursuit of the children of Israel. The children of Israel are being led by God. And so they're led by God to the edge of the wilderness. God then brings them back to a particular place at the edge of the Red Sea. And so they're in a position where there is no possible way for them to escape. Behind them are the mountains. On one side of them is the edge of the wilderness, you know, which means that it's boxed off into a canyon-like area. In front of them is the Red Sea and to the other side is the uh, Egyptian army and Pharaoh that's coming to destroy them. And we read in verse 10 of chapter 14 in Exodus 14, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And so they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And so they're in a p- impossible situation. There is no way of escape. And what is the immediate opportunity that they've given to activate their faith? To trust In God's power to save. But what did they do instead? They chose to challenge God's leadership through Moses and attack Moses. They said, didn't we tell you to leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? And what we're going to see in this story is that it really only took one person of faith, Moses, Moses. Moses believed God, and he turned to the people and he said, stand still and watch the salvation of God. One person with faith. That's all it took in this situation. But in order to understand the statement that they're making, you have to understand the bigger context, not just the situation, in order to see what God is trying to teach them or not teach them what, what the faith that God is activating in their life. In chapter six, verse two, we read, And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I also have heard the groaning of the children of Israel Whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. This is what God is teaching them. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people And I will be your God. And then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. And so what was God activating in their life? Their faith, their trust in the covenant. That God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what was the supernatural provision that God brought to convince them of this? The parting of the Red Sea. You see, God was activating their faith in their identity as God's children. That they weren't made for bondage to Egypt but to live as free people in the land of promise. That is what God was activating in them. It was bigger than just, God can we trust you to get us out of this situation. God was bringing up something in them that had far greater significance. That God had made a covenant with them and here's a people that grew up in bondage not knowing the covenant. Not knowing what God had promised. And God was now activating their faith In that covenant. And in order to activate their faith. God provided for them supernaturally. The Red Sea parted. They walked across on dry land. And when the Egyptians pursued them. God destroyed the Egyptian army. And God wants to do the same thing for us today. You see when we go through trials and tribulations, when we're going through, like even what we're going through now, at the very core of every one of these tests is God wanting to activate your faith, my faith, and our identity as his children, as new creations in Christ. Jesus defeated the power of sin and death at the cross, He defeated the power of sin and death in your life. And it's up to you to choose life and to live. And that's what happens when your faith is activated. When you have an opportunity in these moments to decide that, no, I am God's children. I am God's child. And I am going to walk and trust in the God who made a covenant with me at the cross, a new covenant, that I belong to him. And that the power of sin is defeated in my life. And that death is defeated in my life. And that I have now abundant eternal life. That begins now. Not when I die, but that begins right now. The second test was the test that occurred at Mara, And we read about this in Exodus 15. God delivers Israel through the Red Sea and brings them into the wilderness of Shor. Are you sure? Yeah, they were there. And in the wilderness of Shur, there's no water. And they came to a place that was known in the area as a place of springs. It was referred to as the Springs of Mara. The problem with the Springs of Mara is that they were poisonous. Friends, thank you for listening to the program today. You know, the statistics on life are quite staggering. It's been said that one out of every one person is going to die. And on that day, are you gonna be ready? Are you gonna be ready to meet God? Well, you can be ready. You can have that assurance that your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven by praying a simple prayer and mean it with all your heart to say, Lord Jesus, I wanna be ready to meet you. I surrender my life to you. Forgive me for all my sins and wash me clean of all the wickedness I've done. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you've prayed that prayer with me right now, I can tell you with full assurance that you are going to be in heaven. Thanks for tuning in to Worship Life
0: Radio with Pastor Holland Davis. We pray today's teaching has been a blessing to you and drawn you closer to your Savior, Jesus Christ. It's possible that today you're hearing about Jesus for the first time. If that's the case, we're so glad you've joined us today. We want to tell you more about how He can change your life forever. Just visit our website, CalvarySanClemente.org, and click on Good News under the Home tab. This will lay out exactly what God's plans were for salvation and how His Son Jesus fits into the picture. You'll also find step-by-step instructions to start this relationship that will make all the difference in your life. If you still have questions or you'd like to talk to someone in person, please don't hesitate to call us. You can reach us at 949-228-9117. Again, that number is 949-228-9117. Do you happen to live in the San Clemente area? If so, come join us this weekend for church. We have services every Sunday and Thursday where we'll dig into the Bible together and spend time getting to know one another in deeper and more meaningful ways. Visit calvarysanclemente.org for service times and directions. You can also be a part of our services virtually. We're streaming through YouTube and Facebook Live as well as on our website. Again, just go to calvarysanclemente.org to connect. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Holland next time for another edition of Worship Life Radio. Have you ever wondered what it means to be saved? What are you saved from? Is salvation only about going to heaven? Pastor Holland's message series, So Great a Salvation, will answer these questions and help you discover the rich, abundant life salvation brings. Order your personal copy of So Great a Salvation at WorshipLifeRadio.com.